Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. We're starting our second half of the show. I believe that all of our radio stations are actually carrying the full two-hour show, though. I mean, we're 90 minutes, but remember, for radio, um, every hour there's 50 minutes of new sports weather and and traffic. So it, 45 minutes of radio or of, uh, of our show makes a, a perfect one-hour radio show. So now we're on Police One, and LAPD releases a video of department store shooting that left 14-year-old girl assault suspect dead so so both of those two uh got killed i've got two stories back to back two videos uh where some unfortunate things happen um at the hands of law enforcement it's just neither one of these stories is great to cover uh but in this one uh so the lapd they released the footage from inside the north hollywood burlington clothing store it shows the moment last week when an officer armed with a rifle fired multiple rounds at a man that was wielding a, a bike lock and uh, it was on a cable, and he killed the bad guy, but subsequently a 14-year-old girl um, on the other side of the wall behind him in a dressing room uh, with her mother, I believe, she ended up getting killed as well. And so you can, uh, they, they quote the officer saying, hey, she's bleeding, she's bleeding, and this is the uh, victim that was hit with the bike lock, you know, by our bad guy. And the cops are going through trying to clear the, uh, you know, the aisles and stuff. They see this woman lying in the ground on the second floor of the store uh, around noon on December the 23rd. And so cradling a rifle, our cop approaches the woman and he gets a view of the 24-year-old bad guy, Daniel Elena Lopez, on the opposite end of the aisle. And he immediately points his uh, rifle at Lopez, our bad guy. Bad guy flinches, which is not the thing to do. So our cop, um, well, the bad guy also tries to duck. So the cop um, takes him out with three shots. So he fires shots. And if someone could kill that uh, open mic for me, I'd appreciate it. Um, so our cop fires uh, three shots. Moments later, woman screams in agony from somewhere else in the store. And as other officers surround Lopez, the bad guy, one officer quickly realizes that the screams are coming from inside a dressing room that's just in front of them. And the uh, body cam footage ends at that point. So um, LAPD officials said the officers found the body of a 14-year-old named uh, Valentina Orlana Peralta. She's inside the dressing room stall. Reports indicated that she was there with her mother shopping for dresses when she was shot. So uh, yes, horrible story. Um, guys, comments on this? Lieutenant Randy, did you want to start us off? Yeah, you know, um, I am all for deploying patrol rifles in the appropriate times. Um, inside a crowded store um, with a guy armed with a bicycle lock, uh, I'm not sure that's the appropriate time. And there should be policies in place that, uh, that um, uh, are, are coherent when, when deploying a patrol rifle. And we all know that the, uh, that the rifles, of course, um, their, their rounds are much more um, able to penetrate the uh, walls and doors and things like that. So, I, I think that there, I think that there was an issue here with deploying, uh, with deploying a rifle for this situation. Yeah, that's an interesting take, Randy. Um, good, good, good insight, David. Um, I'm not going to disagree with with Randy, but I think the more important question is uh, why the shots were fired at all. Um, I'm going to have to take issue with the shooting itself. I know if, if I'm, I'm fairly certain that in the beginning of the video, the officers responding to the scene had the information that there was a crazy guy, basically, armed with a bike lock. Uh, they said some sort of a heavy lock or heavy piece of metal that was attacking people in the store. <clears throat> okay. 
you've got potentially a deadly force scenario there. But um, they see the woman, um, and I'm not going to go into the, the hurry up, slow down, hurry up, slow down, hurry up, slow down, shut up and get off my shoulder, um, LAPD um, stupidity. But as they see the woman at, down the hallway, a, a, another group of officers splits off to the right. So they have the, the, the victim to, on the left end of the hallway or the aisle, and the bad guy on the right end of the aisle. You have officers on the right end looking at the, the bad guy, and the, the, the one with the rifle on the left side goes to the victim. He turns the corner or makes that, that aisle, and he sees the bad guy at the other end of the aisle, probably, what, 30 feet away? at least, and with very little hesitation, opens fire. Um, like, like Randy said, the guy flinched, he moved wrong, whatever, there was no orders, there was no, verb, there was no verbalization, there was no nothing, there was simply, he got on the trigger. <clears throat> so taking all that into account, you, I'm fairly certain they had knowledge that this wasn't an active shooter situation, it was an active assault situation, or an active aggravated battery situation that could be a deadly force scenario if they come around that corner and there he is beating on this woman. Yes, but the scenario that was prevent presented in the video was not that. So this guy gets on the trigger with the rifle, puts some rounds in, puts two rounds into this guy and one goes errant, skips off the floor and goes into the dressing room and kills this young girl in the dressing room. If that had not happened, LAPD probably wiped their hands of it. Now nah, you know what up. No, no big deal. It's not even. We're not even going to investigate the shooting. The guy was a crazy. He was hurting people. Good job. But now with the with a with an innocent bystander down and dead, this is going to be a troublesome shooting. Just wait and see. <clears throat> um, but I'd like to. I'd like to. Uh, before I forget, I'd like to welcome everybody to this the second hour of. L R T L R T <laughs> Chip knows the joke. All right, Captain. Well, I don't know if I agree with Randy. I, I, I always told people this. The only reason I don't carry a rifle to every call is it won't fit in my holster. But, you know, sometimes you need to have that. And consider that cops miss 75% of the time with pistols. Where are those bullets going? I think this is just a bad, uh, it was a bad happening if they had if they decide to use deadly force there is no sliding scale of deadly force whether it's with a bb gun or a howitzer you know bullets are going to go where they go <clears throat> if this guy fired the shot he went through it he killed the girl that's some horrible stuff there's no doubt about it but there are unintended <clears throat> consequences of people's activities and including people shooting those bad guys so um i don't know should they shot him i don't know but but he did um and he brought the rifle. Rifle's more accurate than a pistol. He actually hit, which is a good thing. So we'll see how that goes. All right, Captain. Lindsay. Um, I think sometimes, too, we forget that we have time on our side in some situations. Um, if it was if it's not an actor, active shooter situation, you know, we don't have to rush and we have equipment. We can take time. There's shields. There's all these other things that we can utilize. And I don't know why when we get on scene, and I'm not just saying this one, but just in any scenario, 
we feel like everything has to be a rush. We got to get in there. We got to grab the bad guy. We got to do this. And since we can just pause, take a minute, get some more people there, get some shields, get whatever else, get some other least lethal, least, um, lethal there if you can. I know, you know, just depending on where you are and, and um, calls for service, that's not always um, able to be done. But I, we forget about time. You know, and I think if they had slowed down a little bit and taken their time, this situation could have could have been a lot different. I agree with everything David said, just as far as, you know, we know he didn't have a gun. You know, there's other things that could have been done. I don't know that the rifle was the right thing to be used, like Randy said, in that particular situation in a crowded store. And we, we don't know, you know, what do we always talk about? What's your background? You know, there's there's other things going on. And unless this guy is coming at you with a rifle, I just don't know that there was any point in, in using the rifle to um, to shoot the guy. Now, Lindsay, you mean slowing down at the point they they were in contact with a bad guy or before that? Even before that, just we we're in a we're in a world now where we have information, get as much information as you can. And even when they got on scene, maybe um, and. David seems to be a lot more tactical than I am, but I just, you know, maybe there was a different direction once the other team split off where they could have encountered this guy and, you know, sandwiched him in a little bit um, or, you know, cleared people out from around those those aisles and seen what was on the other side of that wall. But, um, you know, I just don't seem like there was any rush to take a rifle in there when the guy had a, a bike lock. I understand he hit somebody, that woman was down on the ground bleeding, but... I just think that was a that was a little too much in that scenario. Well, I I don't know. D did you see the video where he didn't just hit her? He pummeled her. I mean, repeatedly chased her down, grabbed her, would release her, chase her back again. I mean, it was right. brutal. She could have easily from just watching the video. Um, I was wondering whether she was even going to live or survive. I personally, and I don't always interject on 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 the videos and stuff, but I I was actually wondering these guys for the guy with the bike lock. They're taking their time pretty decently i mean they're they're really taking their time getting there i was wondering if she was going to bleed out by the time they got there with a guy not a guy armed with a with a firearm or even a knife you know a, a bike lock so i was really watching it painfully hoping these guys would just get the move on to get to her before you know she bled out i was obviously armed with the information of having seen the video and seeing how bad off she was um i would have you know i i can kind of see the point from the once you got your eyes on the bad guy you've got him pretty much surrounded even though he's ducking out of the way, there's really nowhere for him to go. Um, but, uh, but of course, I'm, you know, we're armed with all the information at this point, and, and the cops may not have been armed with all that information at that point. So um, I get that. Um, is there anybody else on this? And if not, we got about a minute left. Let me jump to our next one then, uh, our next video. It's on a YouTube channel called This Is Butter. Police release body-worn camera video following a fatal crash involving a pedestrian. Another one, hard to watch. I've only got 50 seconds, so I'm just kind of wet the appetite here. But the Houston Police Department, they released body-worn camera video uh, following a deadly crash involving a pedestrian that occurred on December the 4th. So there's two Houston cops that are responding to a call to assist in a police pursuit of aggravated robbery suspects. So officials said the officers were traveling with emergency lights and sirens on. There is video of this. As they approach Scott Street, the, v the police vehicle they say it left the roadway and it strikes Michael Wayne Jackson. The cop is very verbal. He uses the S word, the F word. He knows what went down. He's not excited about it. But I'll finish up in just one second. We're going to do another commercial break. 
All right, so look, let's talk about how best to watch our shows. So we, we do do our live stream on Vimeo, and from there we pointed to go to YouTube, Facebook, and also the LinkedIn. Uh, Producer Will and I have gotten together. We're going to be going uh, to a new uh, video format coming up in the next uh, month or two, so be watching for that announcement. Uh, but um, after you watch our live stream on Mondays, which is, you know, every Monday evening at 7 o'clock, we take that 90-minute video. Producer Will splits up in the five segments, and he loads those to YouTube. I put them on Vimeo, and that's Tuesday through Saturday. And the difference is, is that those shorter segments, maybe, you know, 15 minutes or so, we embed the videos that we're talking about. So it makes for a really neat way to watch the, uh, the show. We're also on TampaFP.com, which is the free press with Brian Burns. Uh, so check out those options, especially Tuesday through Saturday options. If you want to watch the videos before that time, go to our, our uh, YouTube or excuse me, our Facebook uh, page and look at all the links we put up every Monday before the show. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Um, you know, so we've gotten to the point where we're talking about this video and we've got a cop that's uh, driving and uh, he's got his emergency lights activated. He's got his uh, siren going and he hits Michael Wayne Jackson. He's got a little verbal thing going on that's recorded on the video. And our, uh, our guy that got hit was a pedestrian that was in the area. And then the cop car ends up crashing into a dumpster. So they call an ambulance for Jackson. Officers start CPR within one minute of the crash, but um, Jackson's pronounced dead at the scene. And authorities um, said the investigation in the crash is, is still ongoing. So that's what we have, not a easy video to watch as well. So we got two back to back. Any uh, any comments on this, guys? Uh, Ward. It appeared to me the cop was driving too fast for conditions and um, was negligent. I don't think there's any civil rights violation or anything criminal going on here, but I do believe there's a negligence case against him and his employer. All right, thank you, Ward. Um, David, someone who I know like me has had people roll over his hood before. Go ahead, David. Yeah, the, the um, I was watching the video and, and could feel my right foot reaching for the brake or trying to find the brake pedal. <clears throat> um, this is one of those instances where the, the officer and his, the officer driving, I, I can't say what his partner was doing other than pulling half the, uh, his passenger seat up his, uh, up his rear end from the pucker factor. But um, this is one of those situations we've talked about before. You have, you, you, Brett has said you don't have control of what the bad guy does, but you have control of what you do. And this is one of those instances where he got himself caught up in the I've got to get there right now moment, like Lindsay was talking about just a minute ago, <clears throat> and, was, and started driving way above his skill level and way above the controllability of that vehicle. At that point, he was just aiming it. He wasn't driving it. You could see how you, you could see as he was driving. You could see in the video the car getting light on the road. It was it started started getting that 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 I'm getting light movement. The tires lost traction on the road, and he just drifted off into the into this onto the side and into the dumpster through the trees. Um, you can't allow yourselves to do that, uh, people. You just can't. Uh, these are the one one of the things you can control. Uh, in your day-to-day -day activities as a police officer, and that's high-speed driving, um, you've got to maintain a level head when you do it and not get beyond your skill or the car's ability. Well put. Captain? You know, when I was involved in training all those years ago, I wasn't a 
driving instructor, but I always worked with the guys, you know, in service and stuff. <clears throat> and the common thing was, you guys don't give us enough driving training. All right, you're right. But knowing that, you go out and you overdrive your skills, knowing that you don't get enough driving training. So whose fault is that? Thank you. All right, Lindsay, you're up. And then and Chief John, too. Well, and then, you know, like they always tell you in driver's training is, you know, as far as driving with due regard and driving for the conditions, it's like you're no help to the person you're trying to get to if you don't make it. You know, and that's that's what was on my mind. And like David was saying, I get I mean, I felt like I was in that car and I was like, we are going too fast. You know, I, I, I feel for that officer. Cause that's a crap situation to be in. And, you know, um, to the guy who died and, you know, and everything. But it's just like I was thinking like it's slick. It is dark. And when are we slowing down? coming through these intersections or anything. Cause there seemed to be a decent amount of people still out. But as soon as it hit, I was like, ugh. like, I mean, I felt it. I was just waiting. I didn't know when it was going to happen in the, in the video, but I was just waiting for it to happen. And I was like, and, and there we are. And this is why you, you know, that, that could have been both him and his partner. He could have hit that guy and then they could not have stopped when they ran into, you know, um, whatever it was that stopped them. But that could have been two injured officers right there on top of this pedestrian. Lindsay, you just described, you and David described what I was feeling too watching the video. I, I couldn't see everything outside or what the surroundings were, but I could see through the windows how fast that car was going. And, and you're right, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, uh, Chief. You know, nothing scared me more when I was finally assigned to day shift and, you know, you got into a pursuit where you were, you know, a, a legitimate pursuit, nothing that was against policy. And you worried about kids and buses and, you know, all at night, the only people on the road are the cops, you know, some good guys and a lot of bad guys. But during the day and I'm watching the video and I think Lindsay and Dave described it perfectly. But to, to Brett's point, this, you know, when, whenever there will be a lawsuit on this, does it rise to the level of shocking the conscience? Are they going to look at training? Is it a, a, a situation of failure to train? Um you know, what type of priority calls are you allowed to use your emergency lights and, and, you know, you know, be in that priority mode. But all of us here knew this wasn't going to be good. I knew it was going to be good just because it happened during the daytime. And I would try telling the youngsters that, you know, came on when I was a ship commander, a major, and then eventually a chief, most time as a major and a captain, pursuits during the daytime have a different look to them. You know, there's a lot more factors to consider and there's a lot more things that you could hit and a lot more things can go bad, and everybody on this panel described that. Thanks, Chief. All right, is there anybody else on this, guys? Yeah, Brad. one last thing. Years ago, a uh, guy named Kevin Fitzpatrick, he was a uh, driving instructor for the HCSO, you know, that's our sister agency here in, in the area. He told me years ago, two things. He said, if you're going down the street and the car's getting ready to pull out, <clears throat> if, if the driver doesn't look at you, they're gonna pull out in front of you, and I always remember that. He also said this, if you're driving that car at 60 miles an hour or higher, you're not driving it, you're aiming it. Because especially when it's rainy or icy, you're not driving that car. You have no control over that car. You're aiming that car, and that's just not good enough. Thanks, Captain. You know, just looking at our uh, YouTube channel, I, I see that we've got, uh, um, you know, like Rick Mucha said that his niece is an ambulance driver, and they get updated training every six months. And I'm assuming that's you know, driving training, Rick. So... Um, so, uh, you know, good comments. We've also got a lot of people, including your wife, Brett, is on Facebook, you know, flirting with me. 
uh, but everybody from Larry Mitchell to, I saw we had Bob Chandler, Ruggiero, uh, Marilyn Durst. I don't remember Marilyn Durst. She remembered when we were talking about Six Mile Creek, the uh, Six Mile Creek, uh, Grant Park, you know, so she's, uh, so she's on it. So um, is there anybody else on this topic? You got 30, um, go ahead, Brett. I think Marilyn, uh, Marilyn used to be, uh, she used to live in the South End. I think she was, she's one of our civic leaders, one of our neighborhood leaders down the South End of town, if I remember correctly. Neighborhood Watch and um, yeah, yeah, Neighborhood yeah. Watch. Yep, that's Marilyn. So, all right, guys, we'll look, uh, it's time for another break, but we will be right back. So look, it's time to talk radio. So yes, we are nationally syndicated on the radio. Actually have a new radio station that I'm going to be uh, throwing in the mix here. So we started off on the Terrestrial Radio, which is over the airwaves with the Boss Hog Radio Network. Now they're in the Florida area and really outside of Tampa. So they were in Bushnell, Lakeland, Plant City, Winter Haven, and Avon Park. So they have four AMs and one FM. So we uh, we love Boss Hog Radio because they gave us our big break in the Terrestrial Radio. And we're also on KBAR. Uh, they have... Uh, an AM in Burley, Idaho, uh, WKUL. They have two FMs in Coleman, Alabama. We're on AMFM247.com, but they also have terrestrial radio stations in Tampa Bay, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, where Randy's at, Macon, Georgia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Boulder, Colorado, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Long Beach, California, the Villages in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and also Washington, D.C. And in addition, we're also on ThreeRiversBroadcasting.com, BackstageRadioNetwork.com, and finally, CentralOregonRadio.com, our new edition. Welcome back to the Leah Roundtable radio show or uh, video show, whatever you want to take your pick. If there's nobody else on the last topic, we'll go to our next main topic. On Police One, uh, there's a, uh, an article titled, Think Officer Safety While Sitting in Your Police Car. And it says that uh, a squad car can feel like a bubble of safety, but it's not. And also adds that we are vulnerable to attack in our patrol cars, and we spend a lot of time there. So that's pretty much the gist of it. I thought that that's enough to whet uh, the appetite for the panelists, who I hope are going to talk about this. Any suggestions, guys? I mean, I, I have to agree, um, but especially at night, though, when you really have a more difficult time in being aware of your surroundings, and you're in that car, maybe you're you try to park somewhere isolated when you're going to have that dome line on when you're writing, you know, writing or typing or whatever. Uh, what do you think, Randy? You know, I think this this is really a, a timely topic considering the execution of the officer in Baltimore, and um, and you know she was in her patrol car, um, she was targeted, she was murdered, she was assassinated essentially, and she isn't the first. But I, the reason I want to bring this up is because this officer who was assassinated in Baltimore. Um, what was very disturbing uh, was that there was pedestrian video being taken and um, a statement by someone saying, don't call, don't call it in. These are the people that screw with us. And to me, that was, um, that was a really disturbing, very graphic um comment on our society now. Um, this officer gave her life. She was, she was um, literally 
doing nothing except seated in her patrol car. So yeah, this is a, this is a topic that needs to be thought about and needs to you know reveal itself um, because we're anybody that's sitting in a patrol car. This is not the first time this has happened. You know, let's face it. There's been a number of officers shot in their patrol cars, and there's no way in the world you can defend yourself at all times. But that's part of, uh, of the officer safety aspects that we need to train on. All good. Thank you, Randy. All right, Chief Newman. You know, I remember um, I was in New York City in December of 2014 when uh, Ramos and Lou were shot in the Bedford-Stuyen neighborhood in their cars. Um, and I remember saying to myself, you know, and I was up there for vacation. I had just retired from the city, and I hadn't had a chance, to, you know, to celebrate that. So we go up there, and that happens. And I remember saying to myself exactly what Randy just said. Man, that's like basic stuff that we need to constantly remind our people. Nowadays, they're ambushing us. So we have to be a little bit more tactical and a little bit more thoughtful about where we park our units. How, I'm not saying we're lazy by any stretch, but we do a lot of work in those cars. Um, and you've got to think, if you're going to park and either write a report or do something, it better be out of harm's way as best you can. Even then, that's not a guarantee. But I remember the 2014 case. When, I, when the Baltimore case happened a few weeks ago, I, same thing. It brought up, like, why are we still doing this? And I don't know the particulars. I don't think any of those officers knowingly put themselves in a bad way. But it's something that we have to tell our officers, especially the youngsters, vigilance, vigilance, vigilance. Look at the shooting that we had in Dallas, I think it was, with the two officers, and one was in the car. Uh, I think it was Dallas. Um, and the officer uh, did the tourniquet and returned fire, the female did. And they, I think they both wound up in the hospital. That People are trying to go after us. Don't make, don't make yourself an easy target. And these type of things, sadly, I don't think are going to go away anytime soon. Thanks, Chief. All good. All good content, guys. All right. Uh, there's nobody else. We'll move on to our next one then. I've got an update. And uh, this is um, policetribune.com and policeone.com. Uh, we've got a um, Chicago dispatcher calls, you know, and I think this was um, talking about cities that are not pro-law enforcement or they, you know, they're being run by people that aren't necessarily very favorable. So uh, we got Chicago dispatcher calls a city a quote, death zone, and blames the mayor for micromanaging first responders. Uh, we've got um, Chicago emergency dispatcher Keith Thornton. <laughs> it doesn't say former <laughs> former dispatcher, so who knows, but posted a video to his personal Facebook page on December the 24th, Christmas Eve, and he was accusing Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown of having lied at a recent community meeting, and this is reported in the Chicago Sun-Times. Superintendent Brown told residents of the 16th District that their district had plenty of officers. And our dispatcher rants that on December 23rd, nine of the 14 police units in the 16th District were actually out of service, reported by WLS. And it goes on to say that on Tuesday, the dispatcher gained a nationwide audience with an appearance on Fox News, during which he said Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was micromanaging Chicago police, firefighters, and dispatchers, and uh, doing a terrible job of it uh, to boot. It says the blood, in my opinion, is on her hands, is what the dispatcher said. He said that during former President Donald Trump's administration, Chicago was offered federal help uh, to get the skyrocketing crime problem under control, but that Lightfoot, the mayor, did not acknowledge or even want it. And that was reported by Fox News. And now we move to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh City Council passed a bill to ban traffic stops for secondary violations, which I'm sure would bother Brett Bartlett. Um, the bill would prohibit Pittsburgh police officers from making stops for things such as broken taillights, which typically lead to really 
you know, an opportunity to do great law enforcement work. And uh, the location of a registration plate or even an out-of-date uh, inspection cert certification, they cannot stop vehicles for those offenses anymore. Um, if there's any comments on that, great. If not, I'll move on to our next one then. And uh, let's see, I've got a video coming up. This one's on a YouTube channel called This Is Butter. And uh, Randy, uh, you're a little late on the draw. I just saw your open mic. Go ahead. No, no, no. We can't. We. I've got to make a comment on this. So let's talk about Chicago. Um, they just uh, released the statistics. Over a thousand murders last year. A thousand, higher than any time in history. Um, what that did, what that 911 dispatcher did, was heroic. Um, he's going to face. He's going to face the music for it. But what he did was he revealed the lies being told by the police administration. Um, he, this, this dispatcher actually published um, where, what the units where, were, uh, how many were absent. There was like three cops on duty in the entire precinct. And, and, uh, and, the, and the police um, commander uh, blatantly lied to the public about their safety. Mayor Lightfoot is responsible for the anti-law enforcement um, uh, tenor of what's going on in Chicago, and uh, and she has she's part of the problem. She's not part of the solution. And until the people of Chicago stand up and say we're not taking this anymore, we're going to continue to see the body count rise in that city. Wow, strong words. Thanks, Lieutenant. All right, guys, uh, moving along here then. Uh, let's see, we're on YouTube. We've got a, a video. Uh, this is Butter's name of the channel. Edited down video, and I'll tell you, it's a, the original is a very long video, uh, but this has been edited down, and we've got a link to it. Um, but police body camera footage released from the death of Allison Lackey. So um, um, New York Attorney General Letitia James released uh, graphic videos on Thursday showing the police fatal shooting of the Syracuse woman who attempted to set a house on fire uh, in October. So the series of three videos from a police-worn body camera shows two hours of a police standoff with Allison, 33 years old, at her family home. Syracuse police responded to the house at 1.38 in the morning, and as Brett always says, nothing good happens at 1.38 in the morning. This happened on October the 20th. There were reports of a woman brandishing an eight-inch knife, and uh, not by Brett's measurements, but by our measurements. Um, an ambulance crew responded to the call at the home and they called police for help. So the video shows police and a crisis response officer. So we've actually got a crisis response officer there to negotiate with her to come out of the house so that firefighters can safely put out the fire that is in the kitchen at the time. Police said in October uh, that uh, Lackey started the fire. So uh, she refused to come outside, of course, and then police tell her to leave. Oh, I'm sorry. She refused to come outside and she tells police to leave. So police told her they can't because she's bleeding and the fire was too big for them to go away. So the crisis then escalates when the fire begins to spread in the kitchen. So police enter the house to the back of the home. A firefighter uses an extinguisher to put out the flames. And in one video shows that prior to the shooting, Syracuse police officers, they tell her at least a dozen times to drop a knife inside the kitchen, kitchen as the fire is burning. Video shows um, officers fire tasers to subdue her at least three times. And as the kitchen starts to fill with smoke, officers shout that they're out of tasers and uh, she's remaining on the kitchen floor but you know there's all kinds of screaming from her and, and then she suddenly stands up tries to walk 
through the kitchen entrance. Her legs and feet can be seen in the video as an officer shouts, Allison, don't. And then seconds later, police fire multiple gunshots and as many as 10 shots can be heard on the video as she falls to the floor. So it names the four officers involved in the shooting. That'll be in the article. And she was pronounced dead at the scene at 401 in the morning. So that's the way it goes down. Again, a very fluid video, again, giving people an example of what we have to deal with. Uh, Chief John, you've got about, you know, 15 seconds. And if you don't have time to finish, we'll get to you after the break too. Go ahead. Well, we'll just have to wait to the other side of the break there, Chip. How's that? Well, what am I going to do for 10 seconds until you uh, until break time? <laughs> uh, that's a question that your wife usually asks you. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe you went there. All right. Well, at least we filled in the time that I needed filled in. So, look, time for commercial break. We'll be right back. Let's talk podcasts. So, yes, our podcast formats are being marketed by law enforcement today. And we've got 10 platforms. We have an RSS feed. We are on Anchor. And Anchor is pretty much is our staple for podcasts. We upload to Anchor every week. And from there, uh, it's distributed to Breaker, also the CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which, of course, is iTunes. We're also on Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and also on Spotify. Um, so, guys, check out those options. Um, it's, it's, it's a great way to drive if you're not watching the video. Trust me. Uh, but please check out those options on podcast. And uh, we've got some more offerings coming up on TV. I know the first quarter of this year, so really uh, any, any, any week now, we'll be making an announcement being picked up by a television network. We've been on two in the past, and uh, this new one is going to get us on TV again and also on Roku and Fire Stick. We've got some major um, opportunities coming up, so we'll be talking about those in the coming weeks. back to the legal round table uh, you john you think i'm going back to you next no we got we got open mics from john newman who will hopefully finish his criticism of me using my wife no and, uh, and no I, I will not she she is and she is a saint anyway um no and i'm sure dave you know rona, rona dave and brett will talk about tactics but um this is the second video that we're what we you know you know looking at tonight just the amount of distractions small space she's got a knife there Everyone's tasing her. I think they, you know, they ran, they ran out of cartridges. You got a damn fire in the background that's just getting bigger, bigger. All of a sudden, here comes the fire department. You, same thing what we had in the Ohio shooting. You had a dog, a roommate, and the and the husband and wife with a knife at each other's throat. You know, a lot of distractions, a lot of potential for a lot of bad things to happen. I personally, you know, have a problem with the shooting. I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure Dave and Brett or somebody else will talk about it. She came out of that room holding that knife, you know, and just lunge at who was ever in front of her. But I'm, it's remarkable that we have two videos tonight and the amount of distractions in both those cases um, is astonishing. I think people, the, a lot of the shootings we talk about are not these perfect, you know, the environment's perfect. There's no distractions. So I thought it was something to make note of. Thank you, Chief. Captain Bartlett? Um, yeah, I agree with John and also some of our, you know, we, we, we see videos, we talk about stories every week about cops saving lives and doing the right thing and bringing down the bad guy. You know, sometimes cops screw up and you know that that happens, but some of our viewers tonight don't think that cops 
deserve a pension. So I'm not real sure about that. And secondly, shout out to Steve Stiesel on Facebook. Good old long time ago, back in the day, news dog. Good old Steve. He was always a very reasonable guy, and uh, we always appreciated him back in the day. You know, I, I love that guy. Yeah, I saw that he just pulled the uh, pulled the plug at Fox, and uh, I did a lot of work with him with a lot of different guys, but Glenn Selleck was one of my most uh, um, fond memories of working with Steve Cecil. So, um, and that was during my whole, you know, when you and I were working together, Brett, when I was going through the whole whistleblower, all that stuff, you know. So, um, so thanks for giving a shout-out to him. Uh, Attorney Ward. Well, I agree that the initial shots were justified. Uh, but as I commonly complain about, and, and I am a minority, I think at least half these shots are totally unnecessary, including what appear to be all the shots by a second shooter. This woman was already down, and there must have been six or seven shots at her. All right. Good, good, good call, Ward. Thank you. David. You know, this, this was one of those scenarios, like John said, there's just so much going on uh, that it seemed to just discombobulate the cops on scene. They just lost focus. They, it started to get just so, everything was, it was just too much for them almost. <clears throat> why did this, why, why did they keep pushing the guy with the shield to the front, standing right in the doorway where no one else could do anything around him? Why do you got a shield in there at all? Um, this is one of those scenarios where you've got to move quickly. You've got to make a couple of hard decisions and you've got to go with them. Um, and they they just didn't seem like they could do it. They just were so bound up by everything that was happening in front of them that they could not get out of their box. And by that, I mean, in these scenarios that are so unique that people look at and they go, oh, crap, that actually actually really happened. Civilians, we look at it and go, oh, that's like every weekend in the bottom. But... Um, these things actually happen, and these cops had to deal with it. I think that they froze up a little bit, that they could not get out of their own way to start thinking outside the box to do something different. And by the time they did, it was too late. The fire had gotten too big. They brought a fireman in, hose, hose the fire down, and hose her down, too. And you can see the look on the fireman's face because he knows what's about to happen. As soon as he hit that fire with that hose, there was nothing but pure smoke everywhere. And that's when she came stumbling out of the kitchen with a knife in her hand going, well, I got to get out of here. And where's she running? Right at the cops. And they smoke her. I don't have a problem with the shooting. The problem that I have is the, as Brett has said many times, the longer you wait, the longer you don't act, the more opportunity is for that other person, the bad guy, to, to formulate a plan, to do something stupid, to, to take some other sort of action that causes even more confusion and more problems within that small tight area. You go into something like that where you've got multiple things going on, you, the clock is ticking. You've got you've to go, you've got to make a decision, you've got to go with it, and you've got to make it work. Um, I, personally, you know, right off the top, I'm thinking, bring the firemen in right now. Hose them all down, hose everything down, her, the fire, everything, knock everybody to the ground. Once she's on the ground, you've got to move. Forget the tasers, forget everything else, go in there and do your job. They did not. It ended. And the firemen were outside laughing at all the cops as they're stumbling out of the house, choking from smoke inhalation. You can see the firemen laughing. I've been there. They've laughed at, they've laughed at me. But, guys, you got, you got to act. You've got to act. All right. Thanks, Corporal. Uh, producer Will. Michael MVS just donated. 
Uh, Michael, we missed you last week. Thanks so much for supporting the show all the way from Colorado, Michael. So, uh, yeah, it's good good to have you back. I didn't see you um, on YouTube. I wasn't aware that you were watching, so thank you. Um, guys, um, I know we've got about four minutes and 18 seconds before we wrap up the show for the evening. So let me get to our, our next video. I know uh, this is the one that Lindsay's been waiting for me to cover. It's on YouTube. This is better. Northern California police officers use tasers and pepper spray. So John should get a lot of play action out of this. But they're arresting a naked man in Northern California. Well, I guess it's Northern California police officers use tasers and pepper spray to arrest this guy. So uh, this guy is reported to be running in and out of uh, the road while naked on Thursday afternoon. He's taken into custody after being tasered three times and pepper sprayed by Ukiah Police Department. Uh, an officer responded to the area uh, when the uh, Men Mendusi now, I guess a uh, Mendocino County Sheriff's Office. I probably butchered that too, was dispatched to a report of a naked man in the roadway 2.45 in the afternoon on April the 1st. So when the officer contacts the man, he quickly becomes aggressive and takes a fighting stance. When you watch the video, you got to get to the tail end of the video where you actually see this guy. And at first, I didn't even think they had him dithered because, uh, you know, anyhow, unless it was a really small dither. I don't know what that means, Brett, but a taser was deployed. It's ineffective. Then a second taser, it's also ineffective. A third one, a pepper spray are used uh, on him before they take him into custody. He's also placed in a uh, in wrap restraint. So multiple 911 callers reported that he was seen running in and out of the roadway. And it says that by the time the deputies arrived, so remember, deputies were initially got the call. They get the the, the cops to show up. So by the time they get there, the use of force is already over with. And so they just administer, administer medical assistance to the suspect. And they says they, they provide uh, cold water and an ice pack. And uh, there was shrinkage involved. I added that. And uh, it says they described uh, handcuffing the suspect identified as uh, um, Geraldo Magda Magdaleno and... Uh, there was a risk of him overheating for whatever reason. So that's what we got so far. Um, Lindsay and David and Brett, go ahead, guys. We got two minutes. Well, uh, David was first. No, no, go ahead, Lindsay. You're you're the you're the guest tonight. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I when watching the video with if him, him standing off to the side, that was one of those moments where I felt like you know I would have waited for more people to get there. And I know people get stuck in that oodle loop of repeating the same thing over and over again. The guy wasn't hearing anything. I mean, he's outside naked, so that tells you all you need to know about him and what he's probably on and where his mental status is. But, you know, I, I don't see myself getting tangled up with a butt-naked man. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, a, that's, that's so disappointing. That is so disappointing. Well, I mean, not so in disappointing. You and me, Lindsay, you, know, you and me, Lizzie, we're, we're finding this guy and we're wrestling him to the ground. Are you and me a naked with a, this I naked don't, guy? I don't know, because if something touches my wrist, I'm done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All I can say is 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 poor arrest techniques. Um, they they go they they finally swarm on this guy like a couple of MMA fighters punching as fast as they can on this guy's head, which was an absolute waste. And at the end of the video, it shows as the cop is standing there putting an ice pack and bandages on his hand because and he said I heard him say I think I hit him in the teeth. Idiot! That's not how you do it. You moron! You you deserve to get hurt the way you did. Um, poor arrest techniques. Everybody takes an arm. Everybody takes a leg. You put the guy on the ground and you wrestle him. That's what you have to do. Sorry, he's naked, but that's going to be part of the road. That's going to be part of the ride. Eight seconds and it's over with, guys. You're from Northern California. You should know. All right. Thank you. Okay, Cap Captain Brett and Lindsay, if you want to jump in, uh, we've got 38 seconds. Go ahead. 
Uh, it's hard to hear on the video, but I think I heard him. Uh, I heard him say I could make this out. I was in the pool, but it's hard. To, it's hard to hear. <laughs> yeah, which is what, what was his name? Was it George? No, George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Okay, we got 20 seconds left, guys, before we wrap up the show. So, what else we got? Anything on this? Any any stories from Randy that are maybe similar to this experience or Lindsay? Uh, no. Outside of wrestling, maybe a naked child of mine every once in a while. I'm good. Thanks, guys, for uh, for being on the show to our panelists. And, Lindsay, thank you for making a great appearance uh, for your first time. And, uh, and, and guys, be watching for her to be alternating with Andrea every other Monday in case you guys want to keep track of the schedules. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors, Gauls, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, and Pexip for powering us. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week.